Hello, I'm Friedel. And I'm Andrew. Welcome to the Traveling to Radio Show. This is episode 20, coming to you from Southeast Asia. You can probably hear some uh, frogs in the background. Yeah, it's been raining like crazy here. That's why we're not going anywhere today. We were all prepared to, and then it started raining about 3 in the morning, and it didn't stop until now, which is midday, and we've lost all our motivation. So <laughs> Here we are. Yeah, but the frogs are happy anyway. They're chirping away in the garden of the hotel that we're staying in. And we've got another sound to share with you. Do you know what this one is? Wow, what a racket that is, isn't it? <laughs> we'll tell you what that is uh, a little bit later in the show. You'll hear a lot of those in Southeast Asia. Yeah, they're everywhere if you come cycling here. We've also got an interview for you with a guy called Adam. He's from Poland, and we met him in Central Asia. So he's going to tell us about some of his experiences cycling. And we're also going to give you some of our thoughts on this region. So we've been here for roughly uh, four months now, um, cycling through Thailand, Laos, and Cambodia, and then back into Thailand. For us, it's been a, a real mixed bag of uh, highs and lows. Um, some bits we've loved, others not so much. Um, so here we've put a couple things in a couple different lists. Yeah, we thought it might be nice if you just heard what we liked and what we didn't. So I think if we start with the good things that we really enjoyed, probably top of the list is the area in northern Laos. This would be near Luang Prabang, just before and just after it. The landscape there is just stunning. I mean, really hard work on a bicycle. A lot of work. Yeah, mountains up and down, but gorgeous, gorgeous landscape. And when you get up in the morning, you're a little bit high in the mountains, and there's mist everywhere, and then you see the sun come through the clouds and start to burn off the mist. And sometimes you can cycle right down into the mist as you go down the sides of these big mountains. As someone described it as like diving into a cloud, and yeah. I think that's really appropriate. It's just magical and fantastic. And also the people. The people in northern Laos, very interesting to see, very friendly. And kind of the same thing in Cambodia when we were cycling along the Mekong River. We went through all sorts of tiny villages, just one little track going through the villages. And really fascinating to meet those people and talk to them a little bit and see how they live. Completely different world from what we're used to. The other thing we've really enjoyed is uh, the Thai food. I mean, we're having such wonderful uh, you know, stir-fries and pad thai and everything. It's just great cycle food. Yeah, there's food everywhere here in Thailand. And if you get it off the street, it's always clean freshly cooked right in front of you and it very rarely costs you more than a dollar sometimes even less i mean we found a little place near this hotel that costs us 15 baht for breakfast and that's about 50 cents for something that's freshly cooked you really can't beat it so thai food has definitely been a highlight and it's quite cheap here in general i mean all over the region 10 bucks a day per person i mean you're not going to live royally on that but you can eat street food and you can get a decent hotel room that's clean for that kind of money every day so yeah, 10 bucks a day will do you just fine, as long as you don't want luxury and imported wine. Yeah, now some of the lows we've had is um, in Cambodia and Laos, we had basic food. Yeah, sometimes we get into a village and there might be one woman with a little pot and maybe there'd be like a noodle soup in it with big chunks of liver. And liver isn't really our favorite thing, but you have to eat something if you're cycling. So we just kind of made the best of it. And sometimes in Cambodia in particular, the hygiene wasn't that great. It wasn't like Thailand where you get people cooking stuff fresh. Sometimes it might have been sitting there for hours, and once we found worms in the rice, and it was just a little bit, mm. So we struggled a bit with food in Laos and Cambodia, and we're always sweating here. That's the other thing. <laughs> it's very humid uh, compared to what we've been used to for cycling, and so we're always finding shade somewhere. Yeah, you do get used to that a little bit, but even once you're a little bit 
used to it, you still, at the end of the day, you arrive at your hotel completely covered in sweat, feeling disgusting. So that's not very nice. And it definitely makes you want to take a hotel every night instead of trying to camp, even if you could find a place to camp, which is not so easy. But that's another story. The people here, they're friendly and they're polite, but they're kind of reserved. Yeah, they're, they kind of, they, they don't really engage in any conversation with you. So we felt they've basically stood up, been a bit standoffish. Yeah, compared to the Middle East, which is just the the king of hospitality as far as regions of the world go, where you're being invited into family homes all the time or to share a cup of tea with someone. And even in Central Asia, you know, we had a fair bit of that. People were interested to talk with us and have an exchange, and we were interested to find out about their lives as well. That was really nice. And then when we came to Southeast Asia, we just didn't get that same kind of close connection with people. I guess the last thing that we would mention about this area is that it's kind of hard to leave the beaten track. There are a lot of tourists... And especially in Laos and Cambodia, there's only one road. Yeah, so you will see everybody along that same road. Yeah, you might look at your map and you think, well, what is she talking about? There's all kinds of roads there. But as we found out, a lot of them don't exist. They're purely theoretical roads that the government announced but never actually built. Or some of them are really just so small that you almost need a guide. Or if it's the rainy season, they're completely muddy. Or some of them have been completely overgrown, so they've completely disappeared off the, off the, off the map. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, in some ways you don't need to get off the beaten track as much as you do other places because, for example, there's not a lot of traffic in Laos and Cambodia. So even if you're on the main highway, it's still pretty quiet. And in Thailand, there are a few B roads. But uh, yeah, in general, because we really enjoy our camping and getting out in the wilderness, we found that we were never really far away from, from people and out just in a beautiful landscape. There was always someone around. Talking of our lows, our hardest day in Southeast Asia was probably in Laos one of those days where nothing seemed to be going right. First of all, we went to a lot of small villages and we found that people were just constantly yelling Falang, which means foreigner, at us. And we really didn't understand it because it was much more intense than we'd experienced before. We'd come into a little village and one kid would spot us and that kid would yell Falang and then he'd run off and tell his family and then the next thing you knew it was like the whole village was yelling at us. But no one ever said anything like hello or how are you or where are you from? It was there's one distinction of us and them, and we felt very alienated by the end of the day. I don't know how many villages we went through, but it turned out to be a very long day because we couldn't find a hotel. We started early, maybe at 7.30 in the morning. We didn't finish until after 6 in the evening, and all day through every single village, even after it was dark because we were still pedaling past sunset, we yep. heard people yelling, Falang, Falang, Falang. I, I still don't know, looking back on it, how they saw us. We were pedaling past in the dark, but somehow they managed to, and yet the only thing they ever said to us was falang. And then it was raining, and then we couldn't find enough to eat, and so we were very hungry and tired. And it, it just, looking back on it, it maybe wasn't as bad as we felt at the time, but we did feel pretty rotten by the end of that day. Just one of those typical bad days on the road. I think every cyclist has these bad days, and even uh, a cyclist we met in Bishkek, Adam. Yeah, he's a pretty tough guy. I mean, the last thing we heard from Adam, he was telling us that he was trying to go up the Karakoram Highway, but I think his rear derailleur broke or something like that. And so he was trying to go up the Karakoram Highway with one gear, if you can imagine that. I think it's just crazy. But anyway, when we met him in Bishkek, he told us a little bit about a hard day that he had on the road. All, all the time, if, you, if you're traveling or if even if you are just somewhere in one place, you always have uh, this worst uh experience like something can happen and it's you you, you remember it as uh, oh it was like a worst thing happens and uh, okay so if, if i search in in my uh in my mind for the worst things that happened i think 
it was something in uh, in Nepal when I went it but you know it was only with me just I went to the jungle with a bicycle and I lost the way I lost uh, I lost just I completely lost because I thought two Germans at the top of the mountain they told me to go uh, and I will find the way in the forest so I was going with a bicycle just carrying the bicycle with the hands and going downhill and I found the track but so I was going downhill on that track rocky very very rocky track and after like maybe 20 or uh, 30 meters da uh, lower it appears that this is not a track this is just a um, waterfall but dry dry, uh, dry waterfall because it was close to the top but I was too low to get my bicycle back because it was too wet so I was just uh, throwing down the bike and I destroyed the bike just bend it uh, because some uh, steps were like about five meters and I could and I was climb climbing down from this these waterfalls the water was wet at the rain at the level of like maybe 50 meters lower and there was no one there and I was only with you know simple sleepers and these sleepers just I was without any 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 shoes after so I, I have a lot of blood these these small animals were that that drinking the blood and I was really scared because I knew that I'm really alone so I, I tried to call someone around no no one was around and I just I said that okay I will leave my bike here because that's over but I des decided to just throw it down uh, two others two more steps maybe I will find a way and I don't know maybe God happened if God helped me I don't know what happened but uh, I just I just looked down and I, s I saw the black uh, pipe for water to bring the water from the from this river or the f waterfalls so I was following that and I find myself at the end in the uh, some kind of <laughs> place for uh, uh, I don't know f just it was in the middle of jungle on the on the lake coast the, some people were living there but to get there that was only the way to get there was to get into the boat onto the boat and just go from Pokhara from from the other side of the lake and when they saw me with the completely bended bicycle just with a blood with a you know white face they were like what are you doing here <laughs> so but but it was yeah this this pipe this black uh this black pipe just helped me like and i remember it as a oh yes you have to be careful because i never lost in the forest it was my, my first time and it was in nepal not in the poland like or you know somewhere when i can really go and find so, some people it was in the wild place for me very wild what did you do wrong what was your mistake do you think mistake was that uh, I just I was so relaxed because this is usually this is a mistake people feel so relaxed that they are just going and don't think that something can happen just okay uh, that's a that's a way it's a forest but some Germans told me that I can go and I will find the track and I didn't just put attention enough attention so I was like going going and you know at the end just i found myself in a very difficult situation yeah
We'll hear from, more from Adam later, uh, but uh, maybe you're now curious what that sound was that uh, we played earlier in the show. Well, here's the answer from a god that took us trekking uh, in Thailand. Oh, Look at that. It's just only one. That's only one. Yeah, quite noisy. Low battery. Yeah. This one, they live six or seven years under the ground and then crawling up on the tree about two or three weeks and then they die. <laughs> Wow, those things are loud, and they are everywhere. If you can imagine, that's just one cicada, and sometimes you get thousands and thousands of them around you, so the next time you're cycling in the jungle and you're deafened by the noise of the cicadas, you'll know what they are. Yeah, I mean, they're very, very small and just are on all the trees in, in an area that you go through, and it's just deafening. Well, earlier we talked a little bit about the highs and lows that we had on this trip, and now we've got some tips for you. Yeah, one definite tip that we've uh, learned while we've been here is uh, to actually bring a long sleeve shirt and probably long pants as well. Um, mostly to protect yourself from the sun because it's just baking and uh, sunscreen just doesn't work. No, if you're sweating, we just find that the sunscreen doesn't stay applied at all. So much easier and saves you a bit of money if you don't have to buy the sunscreen. Just bring the long sleeve shirts and cover up. And that's what the locals do. Yeah, I mean, it also helps with uh, mosquitoes and actually going into some of the temples. Yeah, you want to be respectfully dressed, so if you've got cycling shorts on and a t-shirt, it doesn't really cut it if you want to go into a temple. So better just to bring the long sleeve shirts and trousers, and then you're covered for all the different scenarios. Uh, the other thing to note is that bike stuff is really cheap in Bangkok. Yeah, we uh, stayed in Bangkok and got a few things done on the bikes and replaced, and it didn't cost us that much. No, you can get your bike cleaned, you can get a new chain, you can get the wheels rebuilt, lots of Shimano parts there. The only thing you might not find is maybe uh, something like Marathon XR tires. Yeah, if you have very, very specific components, maybe you wouldn't find them. Yeah, but in general, if you just want to get your bike fixed up uh, or maybe get some handlebar tape put on or something like that, you can get it all done really cheaply in Bangkok. Not so much elsewhere. Elsewhere, outside of the main cities in Thailand and certainly in Laos and Cambodia, things are pretty basic. Most people fly into Bangkok anyway, so you can start your trip by getting your bike all fixed up. Also, the other thing we found out uh, that's fairly cheap is uh, medical checkups and healthcare. If you're coming to Southeast Asia and you're thinking, hey, I'm going to come cycling here and also my teeth are hurting a little bit, then why not go to the dentist while you're here? We did it. And I know some people might think, mm, Thailand, dentist, do I really want to try that one? But you know, it was all very modern. The dentist spoke English, no problems at all. And we've since been to various hospitals to treat an ear infection and to do a few typical annual medical checks and every time we've had a good experience very cheap very quick yeah you can be in and out of a hospital in less than an hour we found just showing up in the emergency room and saying hey i'd like to get this looked at and it doesn't usually cost you more than 20 bucks or maybe 30 bucks tops and an appointment for a dentist i mean we had an appointment for the dentist the day before oh yeah and also before we came here people said oh you no need to bring a stove you won't need it probably true to a certain degree in Thailand because the food really is quite cheap and usually in every little village there's at least a woman doing a nice soup or something. But uh, certainly outside of Thailand, in Laos and Cambodia, we had some pretty bad food experiences and we were very happy to have our stove. And it also if you have a craving at all for any kind of Western food, we really like omelettes in the morning for example, you can easily go out and buy eggs and make a really cheap and healthy and filling omelette. Yeah, a lot cheaper than some of the places that cater towards Western tourists. Yeah, we found in general that although everything here is cheap, there are a lot of temptations too. So if you really like to eat, you always want to go to the restaurant and maybe order three or four dishes, or you're passing by a nice coffee stand, and you think, oh, I'll just have a nice coffee. And at the end of the day, it actually adds up to quite a lot. So if you have a stove, you can 
cook cheaper and get more for your money than if you go to the street stalls, even though the street stalls are very good value. But just to keep in mind, we really appreciated our stove, especially in the more rural areas of Laos and Cambodia. One of the questions we seem to be getting every once in a while is, uh, why didn't you go to India? I mean, it's on the way, in a, in a sense. Um, we didn't really feel that we were up for it. Yeah, India, I think, could be a wonderful country to cycle in, but at the same time, we knew that cycling there would draw an awful lot of attention from local people, and we heard the traffic was a little bit crazy, and so we were kind of nervous about going to India. I think now we might be a little bit braver, but uh, still not totally convinced that a bicycle is the best vehicle for seeing India. Yeah, we don't think it's quite the trip for us on a bicycle, and Adam, uh, who we heard from earlier, uh, did actually go to India on his bicycle, and so here's some thoughts from him. Uh, yes, I was just traveling to to India on the bicycle from Europe, and uh, in India, just you can use a bike. It's it's okay, but it's different. Uh, I I never uh, ride the bike on the left side of the road, so I fa- first I had to learn how to do it. You know, just it's it's a difficult. So I had some problems and situations, uh, you know, like mm, potential accidents could happen, or so, you know, and. But uh, quickly, I just I just figure out how to how to do it, and then it was okay. I mean, y- you cannot find. A, I think that they not drink too much. They are just a little bit crazy. They don't care. They believe in karma on the roads, uh, the drivers. So they believe that if they have nothing, uh, you know, they did not no, no sins. They have no sins. Uh, you know. Uh, they didn't do anything wrong uh, in them life. They can just drive like a like a, like a crazy, just with a double speed, or don't care about anything because what can happen? I'm clear, so what can happen? And the second thing is that the the biggest car can go first. The bigger car are uh, just uh, uh, have mo- more power than uh, smaller cars on the road. So I didn't know about it, and I was on the bicycle, so I'm the worst, I'm the smallest, like, you know. So for the first, uh, I don't know, like maybe thousand kilometer, I was shocked because I see the big bus is just going like 100 kilometers per hour, and every bicycler on the road just, when they see or when they hear the, the, okay, bus is coming, they escaping the road like uh, like oh my god <sighs> me not I was trying to just stay because I believe like I'm com- I comes from Europe and I believe that we got the law we got the law so why why he's going what if I'm for example if I'm standing on the road on my track on my pass uh, he can just you know get a taran and just destroyed me on on the on the road and uh, once I just I stop face to face with a big truck and I was looking at the guy and you know like me I'm going because the rule was on my side you know the the rule was that I have to go and and the cars uh, on my back it was like a big line appears and I was like standing and looking at the guy and just what me low is on my side and then someone came and said that, no, he's on the truck, you are, you are on the bike, you have to just escape the road. So they, they believe that the biggers are strongest in the way of, uh, of the law. Did it get better? 
Uh, After that, did, when you learned a little bit about the culture, was it easier or still difficult? Yes, yes, definitely better. After uh, after I just spent the like one month in India, I figured out that it's I'm nothing. I, I have to escape the road if the big truck is coming. <laughs> Do you think it's a good country to take your bicycle to, or is it better to leave the bicycle at home and travel with backpack or? I think it's a good country for uh, for the bicyclers. Please but tell me why, because most people I talk to say India is a wonderful country, but not for a bicycle. Yes, uh, in in Iran I met a guy and from uh, Holland, from Dutch Dutch guy, and uh, it was in Isfahan. He came to me and he said, "Oh, you're traveling on a bike?" I said, "Yes," and he said, "Yes, um, me and my friends eight years ago we we started in Syria and we were going to Tibet." But we did 8,000 kilometers, and in India we decided to stop. And I said, I'm going to India. And he said, oh my God. But then he said, of course, okay, I don't want to convince you that not to go to India, but... And, you know, uh, but I decided to go, and I think, okay, you are asking why it's, it's okay. Because you can see India, really. Uh, if you're, maybe it's okay to take a, you can just rent a motorcycle. But then you got this speed on the bicycle. Uh, it's okay, I think. Y if you know that, uh, just if you don't uh, feel, you know, strong because you got this law from West, from the from Europe or from uh, states or Canada, you know, etc. From the countries where really the bicycler, the, the drivers are uh, respect the bicyclers really. In India, they are really nothing because it's like poorest, poorest, poorest uh, uh, um, part of the uh, society, and that that's why I think that if you know that, you can travel because you, you can avoid the situations and you can see a lot of very interesting things, how the villages are are uh, prospering in in India, in the in the very in the places you know out of tourists like Bihar. It's a very poor state of India, and uh, you know it's it's very interesting to see that these people really. It's uh, I recommend the people to go to India on the bicycle, but but carefully, just really carefully, slowly, not to just and really maybe there is something in in that that with that karma uh, that if you are not uh, fighting with these people like. Because you see that someone is breaking the law on the on the road, you you don't fight with this. Okay, he is breaking the law. We have to just escape the road. Okay, if you agree with that, if you accept that that they are a little bit crazy, maybe they are not crazy from them point of view, but if you accept that, maybe it's easier and it's more safe to go. But from the other side, of course, India is comparing to the other countries. It's, it's difficult because of the crazy drivers and because of the uh, malaria, because of the uh, viruses, because of parasites and bacteria. Well, we hope you enjoyed that interview uh, with Adam. We actually have quite a lot of uh, material from him, so we may, may put him in every once in a while, just a little clip here and there. 
Yeah, he's got some really interesting stories to tell, and we're still waiting to see uh, what happened to him, whether he made it up the Karakoram Highway or what the latest is in that episode, so we'll keep you up to date. From here, we're heading down to Malaysia, and then on the 2nd of December, we have a flight from Singapore to Australia, so... That'll be a whole new chapter, country where people speak English. Oh. (laughs) We can give up on our charades. I mean, it's amazing the things you can learn to mind. All kinds of animals and different things. We've got it all figured out in charades, but we can leave all those once we get to Australia, and we're pretty excited about that. New adventures. New adventures, indeed. And no doubt we'll have lots of thoughts to share with you, maybe even a show between now and Australia. Who knows? Anyway, thanks for listening, and we hope you're enjoying some rides on your bike. Happy cycling.